0: Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing underdog fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and underdog will double your first deposit up to
1: $100. I
2: hear from you. Frank, Hayes, Lauren, and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
3: Hey, we haven't had a lot of these. So let me start it off with a Victory Thursday.
2: <laughs>
0: Can I call it that? Absolutely. I was all excited about that Gator win last night. Oh. That was a good win. Gigantic win. What oh, that win, huh? How
3: about that win? Lauren Brooks called it, right? Lauren, yeah, well called done.
4: It? I, was, I was strangely confident considering, like I said, a week ago, I was like, oh, Florida doesn't have a chance of beating Mississippi State, so I got it completely wrong. So it's not like I can take that much credit for knowing this basketball team all that well, but I just had a good feeling based off of how Florida played Kentucky the first time around, and Kentucky's last three games weren't fantastic.
3: It was a, a great win for the Gators. It was a – for so many reasons, not the least of which was – Beyond basketball, I, I said this on the show yesterday, Gator Nation needed a fist bump moment. Gator Nation needed to be able to, to pump their fist. A, yeah. the, a fist bump moment, and, uh, and for, regardless of what it means, we'll certainly talk about that today, but that was a, that was a fist bump moment for, the Gator, for, for all of Gator Nation.
0: It was unbelievable. I mean, what, what an effort. Uh, Kentucky blocked 14 shots, but the Gators never lost their composure. Uh, offensively, I thought they were magnificent. Uh, and you look at obviously what uh, Pullen is, they're starting to find their groove and they're starting to find their roles. Clayton is obviously the go to guy. Uh, Pullen is the do everything fantastic guy. He had seven assists, seven rebounds, and, and what, 20 points? He's their best player. He's their best, he's their, player. he's their best player. He's their best right. player. Clayton's the, is, got the most sizzle, right. but Pullen's the best player. Samuel was unbelievable. That baseline Horace Grant esque. Little jumper that he hit uh, was a fantastic play in overtime, and uh, he really battled 22 points, 13 rebounds, and four blocks. So unbelievable win. Uh, I know you're dying to know the Gators go from 41st to 36 Ooh. in the net. So a fantastic win for Florida as they get their first quad one.
4: I'm guessing Florida would have jumped even more in the net if Kentucky hadn't fallen a little bit in the yeah, rankings.
0: Kentucky's like in the 20s, so it's a great win for mm-hmm. us because – Anytime you win at Kentucky, it's like oh my god, that's monumental. But in terms of this season, and, and the net didn't look at it as favorably as like I think we did because of the perception of what it means for right. you know the Gators to win it, Rupp. But uh, but yeah, still look this deep in the season, it's it's to jump five spots. That's that's still a nice uh, little bump. South Carolina got like ten uh, for winning at Tennessee, but Tennessee's like top five in that, right? Uh, so um. But yeah, just an unbelievable win. And look now, if you're Florida at Texas A&M as a quad one, Auburn at home is a big time quad one. So now, if you can somehow just get a split there, be two and one in those three games and have two quad one wins, I mean they will be solidly in. You know, and then now it, will, it it would then take them losing to some really bad teams. I think uh, to, to be left out.
3: I thought it was a fantastic win on so many ways. We'll talk all about it. We'll even start the show with it coming up in just a bit. Uh, the carousel is complete. Dan Quinn to the Commanders. That surprise you? You got surprised by that at all?
0: I'm not surprised by uh, by Quinn getting a job because yeah, you kind of felt like he would. He obviously did a, a pretty solid job with the Falcons, and then has done a nice job coordinating defenses. So feels like he's ready for another shot at it, and he knows what he's doing. He won't certainly be a disaster. So, I mean, I think it's a sound hire for Washington. I almost get a sense they've hired the same kind of guy and not that that's bad, but Quinn and Ron Rivera are very similar to me. Uh, And just in their, how they, their background and and sort of how I think they approach players and things like that. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, I'm surprised that they hired somebody so similar uh, to Rivera, but you know, look, it's it again it speaks to the trend uh, five defensive hires, three offensive. I never thought I'd see a carousel again in the NFL where there were more defensive coaches hired than offensive. So I I find that shocking, but it's it makes the 2025 pool incredibly deep.
4: Yeah, I thought if he landed anywhere it would be with the Seahawks, but I feel like, Frank, if we went back to our show right when the carousel began and we were like, all right, so we think this person's going here and this coach is going there, I think we might have gotten every single one wrong right. because this carousel has gone upside down.
3: Yeah, other than Harbaugh to the Chargers, right. uh, nobody saw any of these coming. But I will tell you, and Bucky Brooks and I had this talk. We were on the road. The league its a copycat league. They do what everybody else does. And you could see it shifting from people wanting to hire uh Andy Reed or Kyle Shanahan to people wanting to hire John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin. That's what happened. Tough nosed defensive guy became the 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 sexy hire. Tough hard nosed defensive guy, players will respect him because of how tough he is. Players will respect the toughness, the culture, the the work ethic. That doesn't mean, by the way, that Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan don't have work ethic, but that's not what they're known as. Their personalities are intricate passing guys. Again, so, and I think what happened here is the, Hayes, the, the, hey, the trend changed. The trend changed to tough, hard-nosed, get-in-your-face defensive guy, and that's who
0: got a lot of the jobs. And I think these owners made, uh, collectively made a mistake in doing that. I, I, I think, obviously, any time you have eight guys get hired, the, the percentages tell you the majority of them are going to fail. Uh, that, you know, probably six of them will get fired within three or four years and then two will have success. Um, but even going beyond that, I think, I think this was a miscalculation on a lot of fronts. Um, you know, I, Bobby Slowick, Ben Johnson, obviously very gifted, offensive young minds. I think they should have gotten out. Again, maybe they, they just decided not to, uh, to take a job this year. That's always a gamble. I mean, the biggest surprise is Vrabel, who's a defensive mind. Uh, so I think that even makes, if you're Mike Vrabel, and and I'm sure you're calling your agent today and basically being like, what happened here? Like, what did I not do right? in interview? Like, wh- how did this happen? How did five defensive coaches get hired? And I'm not one of the five. Uh, so ironically, the the two most surprising guys that didn't get hired are defensive minds and Vrabel and Belichick. But um, I do think that Come 2025, you're going to see a dramatic shift back towards the off. If, if, if eight are open next year, six will be offensive, in my opinion.
4: Yeah, it is surprising, I think, that they are all defensive because, like we talked about yesterday, when you look at the two teams in the Super Bowl, both of those head coaches are offensive minds. And usually if it's a copycat league, they're trying to copycat the teams that have reached the ultimate goal, a.k.a. the Super Bowl. But these owners obviously wanted to go a little bit younger. That certainly we've noticed as well.
3: Today, uh, we say goodbye to a coach who won 19 conference tournament championships. 19 conference tournament championships. Nine ACC regular season championships. He was the ACC Coach of the Year seven times. The Metro Coach of the Year before FSU went to the ACC six times. He was the coach of the year in his conference. Let me read let me read that slowly. He was the coach of the year in his conference thirteen times. Has anybody in any sport ever done that?
0: I mean not a thirteen time coach of the year? Not in I don't think in football, men's basketball, women's basketball. I mean maybe Pat Summit. I mean, Gino Oriema. Yeah. But uh, not many. Not many. That's a remarkable achievement. It really is. Um, Mike Martin dead today at the age of 79, the, the,
3: the so likable, so wonderful man that was the Florida State baseball coach for many, many years. Hayes, I remember you saying on our show a few years ago that one of the, whether you're an FSU fan or not, and certainly you're not, one of the greatest shames in college sports is that 11 didn't get a title.
0: I think it's one of the greatest shames in sports history. I mean, really, when you think about the accomplishments and uh, you know, in, in it not happening, uh, the baseball gods were, were very unfair to Mike Martin, but my hope is now he is one of the baseball gods. If they have a spot open at the table, Mike Martin is a baseball god.
3: Eleven, as he was known, uh, Lauren, and, yeah. uh, and you called him Eleven, mm-hmm. and even people like me that didn't know him as well called him Eleven and uh, 11 will always be a number that's very special in the in Seminole Nation.
4: Yeah, Frank. I the moment I saw this news not too long ago, the first thing I thought was, "Man, somewhere in heaven, Tim Parenton and Mike yeah. Martin are having the world's best baseball conversation."
3: That's exactly now. right. And, and hitting fungos. Yeah. And hitting fungos to somebody. So Mike Martin, we'll talk more about the the great FSU uh, baseball coach up, dead today at the age of 79. One of the truly great baseball, college baseball programs in the country too, for many, many years, uh, the Florida State Seminoles. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later. We'll talk some Jaguar football. I got a thought or two about the Jags. college football as well. Uh, a, a little bit of Major League Baseball. I got a lot to do. Glad you're with us today on Thursday and Old Rock Thursday as well. Uh, that we, uh, one of our, one of our tweeters uh, gave me an idea for this, and I uh, followed script. I'll tell you about that in a bit. I want to talk about Justin Fields later on too. I got a thought or two about him. We, we are loaded up with stuff, but let's start with college basketball. Uh, UNF. Wins big again, boy! The UNF uh, Ospreys have a good team. JU played very well. They got a win. Good to see that. Uh, but we'll start with the Gators beating Kentucky. What a gigantic win that was for 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 the Gator basketball team! Uh, Todd Golden signature win. Obviously, that and a lot more will come up. But we'll start the show with that. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
2: The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings an old rock Thursday music the way it should be or at least used to be on the Frangie show
3: so I got a tweet from our buddy Chad who loves the draft draft Chad
0: I Chad for general manager
3: yeah yeah absolutely Chad says old rock Thursday he points out that frontiers The eighth studio album by Journey was released today in 1983. Wow. That's awesome. And he picked out all eight cuts. (laughs) Wow. So Chad's going to allow me to be lazy with a band I like. That's great. And pick out all eight cuts. Chad, I hope you're listening. This is all coming from Frontiers, the eighth studio album by uh, Journey. And uh, pretty good songs, by the way. Yeah. Now ways. this
0: album won't have Don't Stop Believing It does right? not have that on yeah.
3: But it's got some pretty good ones on it Oh yeah okay, And so. I
0: think it's cool when you do yeah. like a, Just a eight songs off a, a singular album So Chad, well done if you're listening Yeah, well done He's Old,
4: definitely listening okay. Now whether he's live or not That uh, I don't know He's definitely
3: listening uh, Old Rock Thursday and By the way Journey, Journey doesn't make anybody's top something They just don't They're yeah. a really good band
0: They are a really They're good a band They're
3: a really good band But if I asked you your top ten They wouldn't be in it If I asked you your top ten They wouldn't be in it they were not in mine either, but they're a really good band. Yeah.
0: They were the first band, I think, to have a video game. Aerosmith was right behind them. But I think Journey actually had the first the first video game based on like something musical. Yeah. OK, I didn't know Or that. what that's. There called. you go. So, so, so Journey
3: today, Journey, Old Rock Thursday, their Frontiers album, um, launched uh, today in 1983. So there you go. I've never been to a he concert, is listening. concert okay, yeah, where
4: they did only an album.
3: Like an album concert. I've never been to one of uh, those. I told you the, the Eagles concert mm-hmm. where they did the whole Hotel California yes. and then they did their hits that weren't on. It fantastic. Chad, nice work. Thanks, buddy. Good to hear from you. All right. Let's get to this basketball game last night. Um, first of all, the big picture from 10,000 feet, a fist pump moment for Gator Nation. There have been far too few of those. That's that's the thing. You go up and be, And that's a good Kentucky team. I know they, they were down two starters. But if they were down the starting point guard, Dewan Wagner, news bulletin, play the other guy. Because Shepard is fantastic.
0: Really, really good
3: what player. What a fantastic player he was. I oh thought my. he was
4: going to be the death of us again. I
3: did too. What well,
4: a-
0: that block on
4: yes.
3: uh, Clayton's yes. three yeah. in the corner, but, great defense. But, but that block is what got Kentucky beat. Because it was clear he committed twice after right. that. Twice after that, Clayton ball faked him and made the three. Once they kept the game going, once they gave them the lead, they never gave up. So, so the block was great, but
0: you know what I mean? But Clayton even said that their, their youth, yeah. uh, he took advantage yeah, of.
3: Yeah, yeah, because he – he, and well, and he, and he saw that he did because he blocked his shot the first time. So, um, But number one, that was a good Kentucky team. Florida needed that. So the Gator Nation needed that, needed something good. Here's the other thing. Florida's pretty good. Now, you've, they've always had the good pieces. The question now becomes: Can they turn the good pieces into a good a good team and and good results? Yeah, they, Hayes, we had this talk. At some point, those have to start turning into wins. And the problem was those, they weren't turning into wins enough at the time. And at some point, you got to start turning them into wins. But that was a really good, really good win for the Florida basketball team on many fronts. Pullins, their best player. Boy, is he a good point guard. Oof. It's a shame you're only gonna have him one year because he is one heck of a point guard. He, I mean, I, the seventeen points eight assists one turnover did you see that and like eight rebounds too Clayton is their shooter you gotta have somebody to make shots and you're right about Tyree Samuel those three guys dominated the game against a good Kentucky team and a gigantic Kentucky team that was a really really big win on so many fronts of the Gators
0: and now I think Florida there's 10 games left in the regular season so now you hope if you're Florida this does kickstart you to a more consistently elite level now, the good news with this team, and we'll have to see how they handle a win like this. Hopefully they handle it well. But what this team has shown you is it does not lose to bad teams. So if that can continue, they need to get to 10 wins in the SEC. They have 10 games left. I, if, if they can just take care of business against the teams they should beat, they're going to be favored in five more SEC games. So that gets them to 10. And then from that point, you're just playing for obviously seeding uh both in the SEC and NCAA tournament but this is the time where you want to start kicking it into gear even the great billy donovan teams would have would have sometimes they'd have a little bit of a lull uh in the middle of january i want to say even the defending champs lost i want to say three straight or three of four in the first half of conference play and then obviously got super hot and and defended the crown uh but this is the time. You're, you've got ten more games until you get into the SEC tournament, and it feels like they're a team that is starting to figure it out, starting to gain some confidence, and they've got pretty much everything that you'd want for you know. It, I mean, they don't have a, the number one pick in the draft on their team, but in terms of just basketball roles, their point guard is incredible. I Clayton is is becoming a guy that can step up and make the big shot, and just in just a great score. Samuel is uh, a force. He's starting to make free throws, as is this team, which is really helping them. They were over eighty percent at the line again, seventeen of twenty last night. So that again was huge. Uh, after struggling with that for the first two months of the year, and then like Condon and Han Logden didn't do much last night, but we know they're capable of that. Uh, Richard is capable of having big nights, Kugel shows flashes, but still has flashes of uh, that really make you cringe. But they have so many pieces that, again, we used to say this about the great Billy Donovan teams, you don't need everybody to play great every night. If you've got six to eight players that you feel really good about, if four of them play well, you're probably going to win the game. And that's what Todd Golden has built. So, again, they have to handle it. You don't go to College Station and get beat by 15. Uh, you know, Don't lose it, Texas A&M, and then come home and let Auburn beat you. But it, as long as they don't get too full of themselves, they really do seem to be a team that's getting ready to hit the accelerator.
4: It was the first time in seven years that Florida had three guys score 20 points or more. Seven years it's been since this team has had something like that. I think all the credit goes to Todd Golden and his staff for identifying guys that were going to be able to play well together. And we saw a little bit of this, Frank, at the beginning of the season, and that's when we got excited. Because in that early tournament, it looked like, okay, this team, especially you know getting Poland eventually, this team is going to be able to do certain things really well. And if you can do that, you can make the tournament.
3: Yeah, they, they, it's clearly... The makings of a tournament team. Now they can't mess it up. Well, now it would be really <clears throat> disappointing. Yeah. yeah, I mean if that, they don't make the yeah, NCAA that, tournament. But now they now they have. And look, the one there's two or three two or three hallmarks of them. Number one, and that's the phrase that Todd Golden used for his teams, his uh, San Francisco teams, all those years. Here's one thing that helps. No one's going to outbig them. I told you guys after I, after I went down there Saturday and I kind of went down on the floor. They're big. I mean, like big, big. I mean that that is a big long. You heard. Uh, I mean, uh, Billis couldn't quit talking about it last night, how long and – I mean, they yeah. played a
0: Kentucky team with 78 seven-footers last night. Right. And Billis was making it sound like Kentucky would be lucky not to lose the rebound battle by 20. Correct. And, they and lost it by two. But they did lose it. But usually Kentucky yeah. dominates. Yes,
3: yeah. they had tons of seven-footers. And, I, and, I, and so I, th- I thought Florida – telling, I'm telling you, Hayes, Florida's, like, bigger than most big teams. They're those long. Guys, they're long, man. That, that's a big team. So I think, and that's, it's
0: fifteen fouls.
3: Yeah, that's correct. So they're long and big. So that's part of it, and they've got guard play. They've got veteran guard play. It really does remind me. Those two guys together really do remind me of Cross and Brown. For people that don't know Cross and Brown, that's a they, great call. They're nineteen, they're real they're, similar. So Pullin is very similar to. He's physical. He's got the broad shoulders. Dependable. Um, dependable. Uh, Clayton's the shooter, mm-hmm. like Craig Brown was. They're very—it's very Dan Cross and Craig Brown for people that remember. And Condon
0: that actually kind of looks like Andrew De kid. kid. He, he, re- so, <laughs> he really it, does. It has a similar game. He, he
3: really does. So, so it, I mean, it really. But when you have veteran guard play, and when you are long, when you what they don't have, they don't have that great swing man. They don't have that great three. Richard has his moments. Kugel, cool, you described it well. Has some flashes, then has some cringy moments. Um, but, but, but he also hit some big threes in that game too. So, um, that was, that was really good win for them. They, they needed that. Uh, they've won four in a row. Now they're playing at a very high level now. Now, look, this doesn't mean that they lose Saturday. It's all gone, right? It's a good team. They play Saturday, but you can't go lose two or three in a row now. Correct. And so, but, uh, but that was the win they needed. Um, I tell you what, they're 15 and six, five and three. Kentucky's fifteen and five, five and three. Yeah, they're about the same, and they split and they and split again, games.
0: And Florida was zero and two to start league play. That's exactly. So what. I mean, they're one of the hotter oh. teams. I mean, Alabama's the hottest. I think they're like seven and one. So they've never had a, a skid. But uh, but the Gators were zero and two, and they're now five and three. They're, they're in a three way tie for fifth in the league. Yeah, they were
3: one and th- zero and two and one and three,
0: and one and three. Yeah. So, so. Uh, yeah, they've won four straight. I love the comparison you made about uh, Dan Cross and, and Craig Brown because I. Uh, the The team kind of reminds me of that, and if these bit. guys come out right. in a find a way T shirt, it's over. Might still, They're going to the final four. Might
3: still be. And by the way, the throwbacks they wear are from that when they wear the white throwbacks. That's from that year. It still might be my favorite team I've ever covered. Yeah, it's still of all the sports, it still might be my favorite team I ever covered. Lon Kruger in sitting with us for two segments yeah. from Miami. Uh, Lon would come, Lon would come and hang out. I remember one time that we were on the covering road game. And I was in the hotel by myself. I mean, Dooley and Harry and Bianchi were somewhere. And I can remember – and, and I, was, I was not the beat guy anymore. I was the radio guy. And I can remember uh, Lon coming and just sitting there and hanging out. Just me and him. At lunch at a you know, mm-hmm. He's just a regular guy. Yeah, that happened yeah. today.
0: You know? As a fan, it was one of the most enjoyable oh, yeah. experiences that I'd had at that time. Because, again, this is two years before Florida wins the national title in football. So Florida, you know, Spurrier was obviously had it, had it revved up by the time that uh, the Find-A-Way occurred, but, uh, but it came out of nowhere. So it was just so amazing, and, and that team was so easy to root for because of what you're talking about, the, the reliability, dependability, the effort, the guts and heart that they played with. I mean, I, I, I think it's a great call. This team, this team has similarities to that one. And yeah. uh, and they're not going to be a. – wasn't the ninety four? Weren't they a three seed when they made that they're run? A three seed. This isn't going to be a three right, seed, right. but yeah, maybe, that team was really good. Yeah, but maybe this team can. You know, if they get hot, maybe they can come in as a seven and, and make some noise.
3: The uh, I can tell you, um, the challenge now for them is, don't feel so. You know, you don't want a team to beat you twice. Get so down after you lose it, you lose again you also don't want to win to cause you to lose twice or whatever. You, you I mean it's just another game. Somehow as excited as they were, they got on the plane, they went back. Somehow today when they go to practice, it's just one more game. The the next game matters. But two overtime wins,
4: that takes a lot yeah. out of you. And and, and, back
3: to back. and AM back to back.
0: hasn't played all week, so right. they're going to be really fresh for Saturday's that, game. So that'll be a hard place. so
3: that'll be a hard game for that reason. But
0: AM home against
3: Auburn, home against LSU, at Georgia at Alabama. It's not easy. Not, not, in this damn league,
0: right. nothing's
3: easy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just nothing's easy. But in you still
0: league. get you get two against Vandy, and who's Missouri. pathetic. And a home and game you against Missouri. A home game against Missouri. That's your eight wins. So that gets and you, you to you eight. got to find two more somewhere. and then you just, Yeah, you just got to get will. two more. And, I think they'll probably split against Alabama. I don't know that anybody is going to sweep this team. So I think they, they could get one against Alabama. Well, if that's the case... Because Alabama's seven and one in the league, right? If that—if that's—but the they're case, not going. Yeah, they're not going to end up going fifteen and two. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, uh, Georgia had them on the now. To the, Alabama's credit, they ended up winning by like twelve or something, right? But they were down seventeen to two to Georgia in double in double digits at the half. Schools. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but but
3: I mean, at Georgia's not going to be easy. At Alabama is not gonna, it's probably a loss, but um, and, and look at South Carolina. All of a sudden it's sticky. That's a
0: quad one game. Yeah, They've yeah. got five quad one games left of their ten games remaining five or quad one opportunities, including the next two. Uh, I think if they split against at A&M, home against Auburn, if that's a split, they're in great position. And then of those final three quad ones, if you got one of those three, they'd be an absolute lock to get into the NCAA tournament, barring a couple really bad losses.
4: I saw Chris Harry tweet out today, Florida's lost to Texas A&M four times. By a combined eight
3: points. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. it's amazing. It
4: always comes down to the very last possession. And I think the
3: last three were by four points. Yeah. I think the last three. That's and the other be a, yeah,
0: the
4: last three were by five. That's going to be a by
0: test of, uh, of tempos. Obviously, we have tomorrow to, right. to break it down more. And uh, but, uh, but Texas A&M is going to play at a slower pace. They're, they're averaging like 73 a game, uh, giving up like 65 a game. So, obviously, Florida, as we talked about, their top ten and the nation in scoring, so it's going to be a little bit of a test. I think playing Virginia uh, in in some of the games that Florida had in the non-conference will help them be at least prepared for the style in which the Aggies are going to want to play. Yeah, so
3: but a a great win for the Gators, really good backcourt, really good power forward in Tyrese Samuel, and enough other pieces. The other four guys, they play seven. Now, Houck played some, Aberdeen played some, but it's still a seven-man rotation, and – the three stars are the two guards and Samuel, but the other four guys—Richard and Kugel at that swingman spot, uh, Logton and Condon at that post spot—you know they're pretty good. When you're pretty, when you know your team's decent, is when Logton and Condon and Richard and Kugel are not your three primary guys. Last year's team that would have been the star. Well, last year Kugel was the star of the team, yeah. and Richard was the other star of the team. And now when when you're when your fourth through seventh best players are Hand, Lockton, Condon, Kugel, and Richard, then you're pretty good.
0: They never have a group on the floor that I'm like, "Why is he out?" Yeah, I agree. Guys? I agree. Which I, I mean, you have to really like about your club.
3: Yeah. So, so, so they're in a good spot. Fifteen and six, five and three uh, at A and M. That one's going to be hard. Home against Auburn, but you get a week off before that. Uh, then home against LSU, but it's a it's a great win for the Gators. Um, uh, last night. A couple other things about college basketball before we get to football. I didn't stay for a lot of the UNF game. I stayed for, you know, I hung around for a while and, and, and visited with some friends and then stayed around for a little bit. UNF is really good. I'm just telling you, UNF might win that damn league. I, I, I just, again, I haven't seen Eastern Kentucky, so I, I can't. They definitely look like they're headed to the final. They, I, they, I, I, I'll bet they're better than any of it, but if they're not better than Eastern Kentucky, they're better than the rest of them. I, I feel confident in saying that. Yeah,
0: I, I would agree. I mean, I, I, think, I think the way it's shaping up now. UNF is going to be playing for a berth in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's uh, – It feels What, what was way. really impressive last night is they still made eight threes, which is a lot for most teams, but obviously they averaged 12.5. But on nights where they don't lean on the three as much, they're incredible inside. They shot like 66% last night uh, on, on field goals from inside the three-point line. So uh, – and we saw this with JU. JU tried to take away their three – and UNF shot an incredible percentage from the field because they just took advantage of it, the over aggressiveness, and uh, made them pay. Well, that happened last night. UNF shot 50% for the game, but they were like 8 of 34, 8 of 24, I'm sorry, shooting the three. So they were 33% shooting the three, but 50% for the game because they were 20 of 32 shooting from inside the three point line. That's just smart basketball. And that's what is going to separate them this year, and and absolutely, it'd be. I mean, I I'll I would be surprised if they're not playing for a berth in the NCAA tournament in the final of that league.
4: Everyone who voted them, what was it, second to last yeah. as far as the preseason media poll? Obviously, they were, they had a lot of over, so people weren't familiar. But Chaz Lanier has scored nineteen points or more in seven straight games, like. Good luck guarding him every And other they were team and they um, they were
0: great from the foul line last night as well. Like Florida, the UNF was twenty-one to twenty-three.
4: Were you there last night still when Lanier did that behind-the-back no, move? No, okay, no, it, 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 that was very impressive.
3: Uh, so JU meanwhile got a good win. They went back to their roots. Hayes. Mm-hmm. They played defense. That's the, you got at some point you got to get back to your roots. They played defense. They played very good defense. Uh, they won sixty-three to forty-three over Austin Peay. Now here's the deal: they got to go to Lipscomb on Saturday. If you can survive that and get to three and six, if you're JU, then five of your last seven games are at Swisher, and that's where they're very good. Mm -hmm. They're as good a home team as there is in the conference the last three or four years. So if you can find a way to win this week, three and six, two in a row, and then five of seven are at home, you got a real chance. So that's an opportunity for JU, but it's good to see all the local teams win. Good night last night. Gators win. The uh, JU wins. UNF wins. Good night all the way around the board. So good night in college basketball. Let's talk some football. When we come back, we'll talk about the carousel. Stay with us.
2: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show.
4: Thursday. The album is called
3: I'll Frontier. tell you in a minute. <laughs>
4: Alright, you get the album for me. Frontiers. Frontiers, that's right. I wanted to say Pioneers. I knew I know, that was I, not know, I didn't know that, but I
3: you know this song.
4: Oh, absolutely.
0: It's good. Great.
4: Absolutely. Alright, let's get it to the NFL coaching carousel. Are we finally done? We're like, done. Is anyone done else getting fired before the 2024 season begins in the NFL?
3: We're, we're done now. Hayes made a great point on, on, on Twitter, and then again today and, uh, about, the, about the pool next year that's available of guys that didn't get hired this year. I'm going to get to that in a second, but let's start with this year's guys. Five defensive guys. I really do believe <clears throat> that's what's changed. The, and it doesn't mean defensive guys are better choices than offensive guys, Hayes. What it means is tough-nosed leaders are first and foremost. I think what, these, these, what got hired <clears throat> was leadership. I think leadership got hired over X's and O's. Now, both matter. Both matter. One thing I learned about Doug – I'm such a big Doug Peterson fan. One thing I learned about Doug Peterson is as good as he is with X's and O's and Philly specials and, and drawn-up plays, he's a really good leader of men. Well, I think being a leader of men, that's what I think the, the storyline was in these hires, at least in the minds of the owners that made them.
0: Yeah, and again, I i mean, you can look at, at this group of eight and say it's not the strongest group of owners. Now, Robert Kraft is obviously a Hall of Fame owner, is going to be a Hall of Fame o- owner. Uh, I-, I think you know, I-, I commend the Chargers for going out and getting Harbaugh, but you know Mark Davis doesn't know what he's doing. Tennessee, their ownership, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, we know Carolina is just the biggest disaster in the league right now from an ownership standpoint. Arthur Blank, I just don't think has ever figured it out. He's always been... He's always chased the big prize. He's you know he had the twenty years ago. He tried to get parcels and couldn't get that one across the the finish line. Uh, interviews Belichick twice and decides not to hire him. So I mean obviously he doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, um, you know in Seattle and is going through I think some ownership changes. And Washington is new at it. Uh, so I, I think I think what it what it tells me is that this quadrant of teams that were replacing their coach largely aren't very good at doing this. Uh, and so, you know, but we'll see, we'll see how it works out. I think ultimately, and again, it's, it's unfair to say a lot of these aren't going to work out. That's the nature of the NFL. But I mean, I, I just, I just think it's, it's a mistake to be so, uh, defensive minded. Uh, now again, Tennessee went and hired an offensive coach. So, I, I mean, I'm, I, I don't think they have great ownership, but they, they at least went. I don't think they went with the right offensive person, but they at least went with an offensive coach. Uh, again, I would expect next year. It's it's I would I would expect next year that the vast majority of the openings will be filled with offensive coaches, and th- there are some great defensive coaches. I mean, obviously, Vrabel, Belichick, Aaron Glenn, they're all you know certainly worthy of, of getting a chance. But I my guess is this really flips back the other way uh, in the next couple of carousels.
4: If the Jaguars had needed a coach in this carousel, Belichick aside, who would you have hired?
3: And I could have had any of these guys.
4: Any of those guys. Harbaugh. Okay.
3: I'm close. And, and and I love Rabel. Rabel would be second for me, but Harbaugh would be first.
0: I can't have Belichick?
4: Yeah.
3: You can't have Belichick.
0: Um,
4: I put Belichick to the side.
0: Okay. Can't have Belichick.
4: He may never coach again, so he's off. And Harbaugh's certainly a good answer.
0: Yeah, it'd be tough to go against Harbaugh. Uh, I'd I'd have no problem with Vrabel. The, the problem is I'd like to see Trevor get a little bit more established as a star right. before you go defensive head coach. Good so point. maybe slow it. So, good point. So it, if you were – possibly. Now, the, yeah, the hope – I mean, obviously the hope is Doug Peterson's the coach for 10 more years. But I, But if the Jaguars do have to change for whatever reason – you hope that that's more for defensive failures. And, like, Trevor has a great year, but they win seven. They go seven and ten, or maybe they go eight and nine. Trevor has a big year, but defensively they're a mess. And so, you know, a, a change is made. Uh, again, I, I think that's very unlikely. But I, 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 think you'd, I think you'd have to go Harbaugh because you're trying to – kind of similar with the Chargers. They're trying to fully unleash Justin Herbert who's been statistically good, but they haven't won a lot, uh, they certainly haven't won consistently, I think you'd be looking for somebody like that for Trevor Lawrence who, you know, f- for many reasons, and some of which are his fault and some of which are not, uh, has yet to hit the form that you kind of thought he would be at by the time he got to three years completed in the league. Who's your answer?
4: Yeah, I think it's Harbaugh. And then, So I should have taken him off the board, too. Because then I, I really do think Sloak would be a, a great hire because of what he did with C.J. Stroud. Ben Johnson with yeah. the Lions probably also would have been a great hire. <laughs> I would have gone offensive.
3: That's a good point because Brian Callahan's been working with Joe Burrow. Um, Bobby Sloak's been working with C.J. Stroud. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, never, I never thought about that because of the Trevor thing. But Harbaugh would be my answer. And my second answer still would be Vrabel. Uh, Belichick over Harbaugh for you? Yes. How about you?
4: No, I'd go Harbaugh.
3: Yeah, and that one's not even close for me. The uh, I I would have to Har Harbaugh, Harbaugh and I'll even I'll take this. So eight new coaches are there, okay? hmm. There's none of those coaches I'd rather have than Doug Peterson. Zero. Harbaugh's close though. Harbaugh Harbaugh's I think Harbaugh's a really good coach. I think he's a really, really, really good coach. I would take Harbaugh. Yeah. He he's he. that's the closest I can get to it. Would you take any of the others? Right now? Over Doug Peterson?
0: Yeah. No,
3: yeah, I wouldn't either. I, the, I would, I wouldn't take Harbaugh over him, but that one's close for me because I think, I think, I think I would take Jim Harbaugh over most of the coaches in the league.
0: Not Andy Reid, you know, not I, Mike. I think Tomlin. when you see the yeah. the one through thirty two lists, yeah. the coaching lists, Jim Harbaugh, we kind of went through it yesterday. Yeah. He he could be sixth on those lists. Yes, right now, I mean, he's gone to a Super Bowl. Right, that's and right. And it, it just depends on are you going to give him any credit at all for taking Michigan. To a national championship, I think you have to give him some. I'm certain. I mean, yeah, I, get I get he that. didn't do it at the NFL level, but still, the fact that yeah. look, and the guy is also he won at Stanford. I mean, he was like a 41 and a half point underdog to USC one year and beat him. Yeah, he is an unbelievable coach. Yeah. So, I mean, I would give him some credit for what he's done in college. Absolutely. I mean,
3: it, it, it's not it's not a, he wasn't coaching lacrosse, right? This wasn't soccer or tennis. It was football at the highest level in the world other than the NFL. And he won the championship. Yeah. And, and frankly, let me tell you what else he did. He took a program that couldn't beat Ohio State and started beating Ohio State. That, that's almost as big as winning the whole thing. Is You took a program that Ohio State had dominated you, dominated you, and flipped it. That's what he, he flipped it. That's Absolutely. What he, and he didn't flip it because Ohio State suddenly was lousy. No. It's not like, it's not like he flipped it because Ohio State suddenly became a 6-and-6 six six team. He I mean, flipped it ma- against a really good Ohio State team. How
0: many losses, the few that Ryan Day has, how many have come against Harbaugh? Yeah. Half of them? Yeah, probably. Or about, at least 40%. Probably a lot, yeah. Yeah, well, at least 40%. So, you know, I think, I think he's a really good team. I think he's only lost, like, six games. He's lost eight total. He's lost eight total? Six and 8 yeah. And he's lost three to Harbaugh? Right. So that's... That's healthy.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ryan Day got put on the hot seat hot seat all because of Harbaugh.
3: That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. Although the hot seat is kind of crazy for him, but you're it example. is. But now
4: it's probably gone because I think they're gonna be really good, and Harbaugh's gone.
3: Yeah. yeah. Interesting stuff. All right. Let's talk some ja- you want to talk some Jaguar football? The Let's local team? Absolutely. Teal and Black. Wanna go Teal and Black? I'm ready. Jaguar football. That's our topic after this.
2: The Frangie show, live from the Hastings injury law firm studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show.
3: The Journey album, uh, Frontiers, came out uh, this day in 1983. Their seventh studio album. So, our buddy Chad uh, Kuhn, thank you, Chad, for sending this over to us. He gave us all eight tracks. If you're going to give me all eight tracks... And it's a band I like, and I don't have to do the work. You're in. That's a pretty good end, yeah. Yeah, it is. So there you go. Uh, so journey today on uh, old rock Thursday. Good. You're about
4: album. to
3: get a lot of these. I feel like. Well, one, here's the thing. <laughs> Long as you give me all eight tracks, and by the way, make it a band I like. Just, so just that. Mm-hmm. if it's a band I don't like, probably not going on. Just so. so I
0: can, I can resend uh, smashing, smashing pumpkins. pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, you can. Okay. <laughs> I can recall that email. You're
3: you're good. I like it better when you (laughs) telegraph your pitch. Okay, when you telegraph the punch, it's even better. (laughs) Don't worry too much about that one. I wouldn't think. Um, The Jaguars next year. What's acceptable and unacceptable? Is it a record? Is it a is it a a look? What's exact? I got a lot of thoughts on
0: it. Yeah, it's a great question because I think it's. uh, I'm glad you said what the look as well because I don't think it's a black and white. Just what's the record? I I think it's unfair to expect. You know, the division, because I think the division is much better. I think a realistic expectation for the Jaguars is to get into the tournament, whether that's as division champion or a wild card. And that's that's a high bar. I mean, the AFC is remarkably deep, and now the Chargers just hired Jim Harbaugh to work with Justin Herbert. So the Chargers go from being a team that's kind of been a perennial underachiever to they may be, all of a sudden, they may be a contender for one of those seven. It's just so it's just such a deep conference, and so I think for the Jaguars, if they were able to get into the tournament, no matter how it happens, even if it's as the seven seed, I think that would be a successful season. You'd be in the playoffs two out of three years. That would obviously be three straight winning seasons, and I think anything that you would do from beyond that uh, would just be icing on the cake. So for me, it's, it's make the playoffs. You don't have to win the division. That would be obviously fantastic. You don't have to win games in the tournament. That would obviously be fantastic. But I do think it's a fair expectation for them to make the playoffs.
4: Yeah, for me, it's a it's a lot of the offense. I think the offense has to look like it's functioning on all cylinders uh, far more often than it doesn't. A few games, certainly, you're going to have then everything doesn't go according to plan. But I think the offense, and Trevor Lawrence specifically, have to look like they practiced uh, all training camp. And I think, yes, the, the – Bare minimum is to make it into the playoffs. You can't. You regress this past year. You certainly can't regress again.
3: The Jaguars have had a team for 29 years, and and they were very good right after they got the team. Part of it's because Tom Coughlin was a fantastic coach and personnel guy. He did a great job of both. Uh, the 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 deck was stacked a little bit in the favor of the expansion team. That's why the pan the Panthers got good early too. Uh, the Jaguars were four and twelve their first year. They then had one, two, three, four straight winning seasons. So four of their first five seasons were winning seasons, of course, culminated by that 1999 season. Then you know what happened? The turn of the century happened. In the turn of the century, they've had 24 seasons since then. In the 24 seasons they have had since then, they have had six winning years, six winning seasons in 24. Doug Peterson's authored two of the six. He is two he inherited a team that won four games the two years before he got there, and he won 18 after inheriting a team that won four in the two years. In my mind, he is by far the second best coach this franchise has ever had, and it's not even close. So the thought that anything could run him off is deplorable in my mind. There's barring something, uh, something off the field, which you know is not going to happen. He's a good dude. But... The, the The fact that he couldn't be here, the fact that he would get run off for anything, and again, Shad Khan is a patient owner, so there's no chance that's going to happen. But I think he's the second best coach in team history. I think he a lot, and by the way, they messed up at the end of the year. i'm not I'm not excusing that. They weren't very good at the end of the year. They lost five of six games. But I will tell you against a really hard schedule, the way it played out with a host of injury with an uncanny amount of injury they were as hurt in this past season as they were healthy 2 years ago with four injuries to the quarterback and and Cam Robinson missing eight games you know and Christian Kirk you know all the stuff by the way they're 8 and 3 when Kirk went down they were 8 and 3 when Kirk went down at the beginning of the game so anyway long story short uh, i think he is clearly that so those expectations i think are right on the expectation should be the tournament you should have the expectations to somehow be in the tournament and it's not going to be easy, because to the point you just made, Hayes, that's a really good point. Like the AFC wasn't good enough already; it just got Jim Harbaugh. The 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 AFC and one of the more talented quarterbacks in the AFC just got Jim
0: Harbaugh to work with him. That's a great point. And you've got ten games away from Jacksonville next yeah, year,
3: and the, the, the schedule, so the schedules are better. But I do think there's something to not having the first place schedule, and and Houston will find that out when you the first the of all the reasons. The NFL has such great parity. The scheduling model is first and foremost without a doubt. That's first and foremost why the NFL has the great parity. And so for that that's why different teams pop up at the playoffs every year. But I think I think making the playoffs is a fair expectation. But there but not to the extent of if they don't make it wholesale changes. Now, I might feel differently about the general manager only because he's been here longer, only because 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 he's had more of an opportunity to do this, he has been with the franchise for a while. So if the team looks like and I'm not and i'm not I'm not saying go fire the GM either.'m I'm not, I'm not trying to fire anybody, but i'm I don't know if Trent Balky is one of the a better general managers in the league, b one of the better general managers that have ever been here. I don't know if I feel I'd have to think through who you know what I mean? I'd have to go through them all. He isn't, okay. But and there's I will,
4: analytics that can prove that based off of who you've drafted and how well they, they've played.
3: Fair point. But I think Doug Peterson's one of the best coaches in the NFL. I think he's the second best coach that's ever been here. And the fact that the guy that's had two winning seasons for a team that's had six winning seasons in the last 24 years and he's had two of them, that there's anything that could chase him off in the next year or so is comical. So, So do what you have to do. Get better, and I think they're going to, but I'll be very interested in the way that plays out. I just saw another national guy wrote, was it Breer maybe, that said Doug Peterson could be on the hot seat. I just, I and maybe I'm wrong by the way. I just can't see it under any circumstance.
4: Interesting. I haven't seen that anywhere. So was it, 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 it almost might not sounds, have been Breer. Somebody. Yeah, it sounds like you're defending him a little bit, and I'm thinking.
3: Oh, I'm defending him.
4: Right, but I'm thinking I don't. Think anyone thinks he's going to lose his job. Somebody
3: said there could be wholesale changes that could affect both of you. And, and, and I said, but I, I, I not, know
0: with the Belichick in 25, somebody mentioned the Jaguars. Yeah. I don't know if that was uh, a pro some, football talk I or saw, maybe I that was Breer. Okay. Yeah, so but it, I haven't seen anything that says like Doug yeah. Peterson's on the hot seat. Yeah, yeah. And hot seat's
3: the wrong word. But anyway, I, I don't think there's any. So, but having said that, back to my original question, one of the reasons I think there's expectations is because I do think the coach is really good. And I do think the quarterback's really good, despite not having a good year in, in, in part because of the injuries. So I think we have, we have reason to be excited about those. Those expectations are real. I guess that's the point. I think, I think those expectations are very real because I think a lot of the really important pieces are here. The elite pass rusher, assuming he's here, and I think he will be. The elite. I have, I have not changed my mind that, that number 16, there's an elite quarterback in there. I, I have not changed my mind that that's a top five quarterback in there. And some
4: people certainly have.
3: It, no question. Yeah. I have not changed my mind on that. He's not that today. And I could be wrong and he could not become that. But I have not changed my mind today that that's an elite coach, an elite quarterback, and I think that's the two most important ingredients for a team to legitimately have expectations, which I think they should have.
4: And I think, to your point, an elite coach recognizes if the play calling, and I'm not saying it needed to change or needs to change, but – if he believes the play calling wasn't where it needed to be last season, then I think he makes that change moving forward because he recognizes he's a better play caller.
3: Well, he clearly decided the defensive staff isn't where it needed to be, and he was very proactive in that. He hasn't said one word about what he's going to do about play calling or not because he didn't have to. Right. You don't have to announce uh, the day after the season that you're changing play callers or that you're not changing play callers. But if you want to get new people, you got to do that quickly because you got to go get new people. So I. I have high expectations because I think the pieces are in place to have them, not because they owe it, but because I think it's hard to find coaching quarterback. It's hard. You know, tip of the cap to Houston, who when they lost, when Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson were gone, honest to God, Hayes, I thought it would be a long time before they found coaching quarterback, and they might have found it. They damn sure found quarterback and might have found both. It's, it's hard to find both, and I think they, they, uh, they might have found it. I think the Jags
0: have both. The Jags, yeah, they might. I, I I, think a lot of it with Doug is going to be how Trevor Lawrence progresses. If if Trevor has a season like similar to the one he had this year, then you have to clean house because you, you've got an asset that you've got to maximize. And if Trevor is still kind of a, a middling quarterback, and, and let's say the Jaguars miss the playoffs and go 7-10, and 10, then at that point, you've got to make a move. You've got to bring somebody else in that connects with Trevor at a higher level than what Doug has. And, and again, some of that's going to be, how do you evaluate Trevor? Do, have, you just, do you, have you gotten to the point where you just don't feel like Trevor Lawrence is ever going to get it? It doesn't feel like the eye test tells you that. The eye test tells you that Trevor is still growing, that there's a ton of potential in there. He's got to have better instincts. He's got to be coached better. He's got to be put in better environment. Uh, he, in terms of what's around him, uh, particularly al- along the offensive front, but I I mean I, I think there should be, I think there should be consequences if Doug Peterson loses double digit games. I mean I just consequences per- being fired. Yeah, particularly if he's if he's still so loyal to Press Taylor. I mean it's it's like did you not learn anything from no. Philadelphia? I mean it's to me if if the offense struggles again and I'm Shad Khan. And I meet with Doug in the in the postseason, and I say, okay, so what's the plan for the offense? And Doug says, well, the plan doesn't change. It'll be Press Taylor calling the plays in 2025. Then I thank him for his service and fire him. So, I mean, but again, I, I don't think it's going to come to that. I think they're going to have a, a – a, I don't think they're going to go 7-10. and 10. I, it, I mean, at least I hope they don't because that'll be miserable, but – I I do think there is a chance that if that happens, yeah, you have to make a change because you can't just you can't just have Trevor Lawrence not getting to where you drafted him to get to. And so that
3: change would be assuming you you would then assume the coach you bring in
0: harnesses it.
3: Would 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 connect with Trevor better than Doug did. Yes.
4: I think at that point in time, you also have to question, is it is it not Doug, is it Trevor? Well, that's the is, thing,
3: yeah. too. Is, is yeah, it, yeah. Do you
4: need a new quarterback, and Doug is a great coach, and Trevor yeah. is just I, not the answer?
3: I think if they – and, again, maybe I'm just so convinced both of them are. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I think, again and, – and, again, part of this is my philosophy. It has nothing to do with Doug or this team. I'm just so annoyed at how fast coaches get fired in all walks this these days. I just can't – I just – I have a hard time putting my head around how quickly we fire coaches. But I think it's going to be a long time before we have another coach here that will connect with his quarterback and understand the game, and is a good enough coach to win a freaking Super Bowl, like we have now. I just think it's going to be a long time. Now, maybe if I, I mean, you fire him, and you you are you're so good at hiring that you go hire a great one. Maybe you know maybe there's a great one out there. But boy, I got I mean, listen, listen, I want to see Billy Napier make it. Okay, I'm a Gator fan. I want to see Billy Napier make it. But if you came to me and said, Frank, there's a lot of coaches you could hire that are probably better football coaches than Billy Napier, you probably could sway me. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, I would not be surprised, and, I, and I'm not trying to be anti-Napier guy. But right. I, would, I would not be surprised if there's a handful of guys that are better coaches. The minute you fire Billy Napier, you could go find a better coach. I'd be really surprised if it's easy to find a better coach than this guy. That, that, that's kind of the point. Well,
4: the good news for whether it's Trim Balky, Doug Peterson, whomever, Shud Khan isn't firing coaches too well, fast. Well, well, no, so I, I, and it, around or other personnel around here, so you don't have to worry. That yeah, yeah, he's he's not getting, Doug happen.
3: Peterson's not getting fired no matter what. But I just I just when I want to read it. I think my goodness, it just
4: yeah. Those it, people obviously don't understand the landscape. Yeah, I feel like that yeah, exists yeah, in Jacksonville. Yeah,
3: yeah, but having said all of that, I I again, please fix the offensive front. Please get more physical. Please be a more physical football team in both trenches. And then I'm excited about what I think they're gonna be. I, I, I really am. I I'm excited about what the the what I think they're going to be. Now, listen, your point about the schedule, there's a lot of games away from Jacksonville. And that's a concern no matter no whether they played well in those or not this year, that's a concern. Uh the last thing the last thing we needed is the damn NFC North to get good. You know, now all of a sudden the Lions are good and the Packers are good and the Vikings are going to be good and you know, you know, I mean, the, so I mean, sometimes that's the luck of the draw. Right. The last thing you needed is the Texans to get good so fast. You know, and the Colts might. You know what I mean? So, so that's just that's the NFL. But I, but I'm excited about what I think's going to be here. I really am.
0: Yeah, and and like we said, it's it's not like a massive overhaul is needed. I just think my concern with it is. The offense clearly went in reverse. You you know you were talking this big game about you know we averaged 23 points in our first year here. We want to get that figure up six points to 29, and then you go backwards by a point and a half. Like that's such a a stunning regression. Right. And and, and when you've got a quarterback so young and you and you and he has a worse year under you than he did in the first year. I'm just saying if those I hear trends you. continue I hear you. So, and it was a third year like that, right. he'd have to be gone, in yeah. my opinion.
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be shocked if he was gone, but maybe you're right. We'll see. The point is it doesn't look like that's going to happen. One final part about this, and nobody knows the answer. Did they regress because press now called the plays, which is what a lot of people assume? Or did they regress because Cam missed eight games, Christian Kirk at 8-3 and three missed the rest of the season, Trevor had knee and ankle and shoulder and concussion issues. Uh, the offensive line played miserably. Did they regress because of those things, or did they regress because press was called the plays? That, that, and we don't know that answer. We can all guess all we want. None of us really know that. We all have. To me, I'll, I'll say it again. I, to my eye, I'm, I'm not saying, by the way, Doug didn't call some plays better plays that press would have called. But to my eye, watching every call and every play, I didn't see a big change in what they called. You know what? Doug called more of those crossers. I was trying to think about this after we said this the other day on the show. There were some of those crossers. We didn't see as much this year. Is that, is that something the press didn't call? Because if he didn't, well, the shame on him. Because that was, that was the hallmark of who they were last year, or the, two years ago. So, but I don't know that I saw – for me, I don't know that I recognized a different tenor in the play calling than I did the year before. What I did recognize is the quarterback was hurt, and Christian Kirk missed the last month, and Cam Robinson missed eight games, and the, in the middle of the offensive line wasn't very good.
4: What I wish is that it was all play calling and none of the other things are factors because then that's much easier well, to fix. Well, then you'd know. But the, pro- right, the problem is it's all of those things.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I, every and single one of those. Yeah, and, and we, and, and, Well, that's that's right. And we have to figure out what – I mean, one, John O'Shea and I have this talk about all the time too. And Johnny said, listen, John O'Shea's watched as much NFL football as anybody He's worked in the industry. He said, same thing I did. He said, I didn't – and he's not trying to defend Doug. He said, watching the games, watching the plays, I didn't notice a big difference in how they called the plays what I noticed was is that Christian Kirk wasn't there when they were 8-3 and, and they were a totally different team. And, they, and, 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 by the way, I'm not sure some of the guys, I'm not sure Walker Little played as well as I thought he might. I thought the center regressed. Well, I, I, mean, think the, I think the right guard, his time kind of came and went. Yeah, I think if you start adding those things up.
0: Other than Evan Ingram and Anton Harrison, yeah, yeah, no one on offense went above expectation. Even even Travis Etienne, because I thought he played hurt half the season. Yeah, I mean he was okay, bitty, bitty. but he wasn't. Yeah,
3: yeah. So so he wasn't correct. as good as
0: he was the year prior.
3: Yeah, and I so so the guy Kirk was on his way to another pretty good year, and when he yes. got hurt, so he was on. His, Ingram had a really good year. Anton Harrison's a really good player, going to be really good. Kirk was on his way to so it was only two, only three guys, and one of them got hurt. You know, so 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 we'll see. We'll, all right, we'll take a break. More in a moment. Ten Ten, 10 XL on eighty two point five FM.
2: The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm studios on Ten Ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. <laughs> it's an old rock Thursday music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show.
3: Journey's 7th oh studio album is Frontiers. It came out on this date in 1983. Were you listening to a lot of music back then, Brooks, or no? Uh, 1983?
4: Probably some 1983. whatever was being played for me. Okay. Because I was born. You so whatever my parents were playing. Yeah, probably. back uh, then. Probably a lot of, so, a lot of Tracy Chapman. I,
3: I would suggest February of 83, you probably weren't yet one.
4: No, but I mean... Six months and one kind of the same. I was inching closer to one. Whatever, I was a baby.
0: You were like eight, maybe? In 1983, yeah. I would have been seven. Seven. Big Journey fan back then? Big <laughs> Journey fan. <Okay. laughs> I, I mean, I will say they, they I mean, had... It, it's funny because, and I don't mean to say this, I, I like Journey, but worst music videos of all time. <laughs> and <laughs> so, like, my first impression of Journey was that, boy, these, these songs are good, but the videos are just horrifically awful. And so... Uh, you are in the
3: second grade.
0: Yeah, but I was watching... I was a heathen, <laughs> so I was watching M- MTV when I was like... I was ahead of my time. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> oh, Journey today
3: on Old Rock Thursday. By the way, uh, 1983, Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. Yeah? That was a big song
0: back then. I might
4: yeah. have been listening to that.
0: That's a great video. Yeah, there you go.
3: yeah absolutely. It. What's going to happen with Justin Field? It's gonna get traded. Okay, yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, gets traded. Immediate starter. I think uh, so. Oh, star
0: yeah. starter. I'm interested in the compensation that he's going to command because it's a unique story. Uh, he's certainly had some great moments. Uh, he's not really losing his job because of any sort of failures. It's more because the Bears have an opportunity to draft Caleb Williams, right. who's perceived as this can't-miss prospect, and, and so I, I can't remember an instance that comes to mind of a quarterback that had that looks pretty good, that's still young, being supplanted just because of a trade that happened, and all of a sudden, this team ended up with the number one, number one overall pick because of how bad their trade partner was the following season. So, you know, the Bears obviously aren't close to being the worst team in the league, but Carolina was and uh you know so the Bryce Young trade ends up you know giving you this chance at Caleb Williams and and I just think the more the Bears get into it they're gonna say we've got to take Caleb Williams we're in a we're in a division now with Jordan Love who looks like Green Bay may have you know hit the trifecta of quarterbacks obviously Detroit's gonna be a very tough out although quarterback isn't where it starts for them uh we'll see what you know happens with The Vikings and if if cousins comes back but I I think in in looking at the the rest of the division I do think if you're Chicago and you have a chance to draft Caleb Williams you should trade Justin Fields and and so that's where I I could see it being anything from like a late one to maybe a, a third round pick that's got conditions in it that can escalate to at least a second um so, but that's that to me. The the fields trade is going to probably be the biggest off season story in the league this year. And uh, but I I would expect that he'll get traded.
4: Yeah, I, I think like we talked about yesterday, Kirk Cousins, and if he leaves Minnesota, Gardner Minshew, if he leaves the Colts, like those are I think are some big storylines. I assume Baker Mayfield will stay with the Bucks, but Justin Fields. I think it's possible, Frank, that three years from now, and I guess I should go longer than that because Fields has already had three years in the league, but in five years from now, I think it's entirely possible Justin Fields is better than Caleb Williams.
3: Yeah. Um, I understand the, it the, is. the raw talent I agree, I agree that's in you. there for Caleb yeah.
4: Williams, but I, Justin Fields might be really special, but we know how many things Chicago did have wrong. In his first couple years, they had no weapons, and then they haven't had an offensive line to protect him whatsoever. He's one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league.
3: And Jalen Hurts went from pretty good – to really good. Mm-hmm. And so it can't happen. Josh Allen always had all the tools, but for a while there, looked like Josh Allen wasn't going to make it. He looked all, it, not like a bust, but certainly like a guy the light didn't go on for, and then it went on. Mm-hmm. right? So I, I guess that I'm very interested to see what happens with Justin Fields. Um, it
4: can take more than a couple years to figure out. Well, of course it does. Out. It
3: always does. Well,
4: other than like C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and, yeah like okay, Bryce I- Young. I don't know that... People are ready to write him off because look at Tua. Tua Tungavailoa, when he first came in the league, wasn't great and he couldn't stay healthy, and now all of a sudden he's pretty good.
0: Pick a team. Give me a guess. For fields? Falcons? Probably because I think if I was Atlanta, I would just kind of want to make sure I get him, So I'd I'd probably be willing to give up probably at least a two this year. I I don't think you can give up a 1 cuz that's a top 10 pick. So I my guess is I would offer Chicago this year's 2 and maybe even next year's maybe next year's 3 that can escalate to a 2, you know, something like that, but I you know, I again I I would like the idea of putting Fields with Bijan and Drake and Pitts and uh and again, you've got a a defensive head coach so you, you hope Raheem Morris, you know, is able to produce a, a top defense, so I I think it would be Atlanta.
4: That's who I've thought all along. He's also
0: from the area, which yeah. that's part of it and too. Yeah, and people
4: like to compare him to Michael Vick. I know today's comparison more Lamar There's Jackson, a little but bit of people that, like though. to compare him to Vick, and so obviously Vick played in Atlanta, and yeah, the the weapons are there, and so I, I think that could be a really good fit.
3: Vegas.
0: Vegas would certainly be in the mix uh, you know in in terms of i I don't know exactly what what they have in terms of capital but i I would imagine that they would have enough to get this done and you know again they've got they're going to move on from Garoppolo O'Connell's not the answer i mean he's he's a good backup you know he's cheap for another three years so
4: have we seen the end of Jimmy Garoppolo as far as a starter in the league
0: probably unless he gets like some amazing good fortune um and you know like there's an injury in training camp or something and he's unsigned and he's comes in to save the day but in terms of his market come March 13th I would think real slim yeah you know it hurts him frankly that Belichick you know Belichick loves him right so I mean he would have had the backup job wherever Belichick ended up uh McDaniels doesn't have a job so it's, you know, a lot of times it's the connections, and mm-hmm. Garoppolo doesn't really have that piece. So somebody's going to sign him. You know, he's a good, good person, good teammate. Uh, he's just not a starter in this league. He's, he's, but he's a really good backup in this league. So uh, that's where I think he'll slot is uh, be a backup somewhere, but maybe he'll get some, some good fortune and have another crack at it. But I'd, I'd be surprised. Patriots. I wouldn't think because uh they draft, I, draft I, yeah, gonna I mean that's going to be I think either and Daniels or Drake May, and I mean you would think uh and so i i would I wouldn't think it'd be Garoppolo
4: the odds are the Falcons, the best, and then the Broncos ahead of the bears
0: I can't think of any tie that that he has with um anybody on that staff. I know he doesn't have a tie with Peyton um. But, again, it's – Denver's an odd si- situation. So, are they cutting Russell Wilson? Like, is that where this is headed? Are they going to try and trade Russell Wilson? Well, and if well, so – Well, that would be the point. You um, know, are you getting a ham sandwich or a washing machine in that deal? Because yeah. I can't imagine he's going to command much at this point with his salary being so high. So, like, Denver's interesting in the sense of do they just cut him? I might, My guess is if Denver – isn't Stidham in Denver? Isn't that who they went to after they benched Wilson? Like Sean Payton. That made, was a financial deal, but yeah, they. did. But he, I could see Payton saying, "I can win with Stidham, and and oh. maybe we'll, uh, you know, we'll draft a guy, they you know, somewhere. 12th. The Broncos do. Yeah, so maybe it's J.J. McCarthy and Stidham starts until McCarthy is is ready. Something like that. Like Payton's hard to figure out because he's one of these guys. He he's never said this publicly because he's not an idiot, but he's uh, but he you know he's the type of guy that thinks he can win with his dog Clarabelle, playing quarterback. No, that's but no, Sean Payton. No, nobody would say that publicly. You're well, that's that true. You're I'm making, making that, that up. up
3: yeah. The, uh, um. The uh. How about the Commanders?
0: Yeah, they seem to like Sam Howell more than they, I think they should. You don't but know if Quinn will,
3: but certainly the existing and and I would think that's going to be did.
0: they'll take you know assuming Caleb goes one. Washington will take Mayor Daniels, right? So I would think it would be, I would, I would think it's going to be Sam Howell starts until the rookie's ready, which may be Week One if if, if, if they love. How he looks and cousins
3: leaves. Would the Vikings have any interest in Justin Fields? They see, yeah, they, they could. They that that actually would be a good fit. And they if, see him twice a year, so they certainly would have an opinion.
0: Yeah, now that's 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 the only hiccup is do you make that trade inside your division? Some of that would depend on how Chicago views him, views Fields. Right. Uh, if they if they feel like well he's good, he's just not great, and we're hoping Caleb Williams is great. You don't want to. Pay, you you may pay. not trade him inside your division where you have to see him twice a year, but it. I mean. The Vikings would certainly need a quarterback and somebody that can step in immediately if they can't re-sign Cousins. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll say goodbye to one of the best college baseball coaches of all
3: time. Stay with us.
2: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. One thing that I want everybody in this room to understand, you had a heck of a year.
3: You accomplished something that many people thought was impossible. Go on the road
4: and play a very tough regional.
3: Accomplish that, go on the road and play an even more difficult super regional.
2: Don't sell yourself short. an old rock Thursday music the way it should be or at least used to be on the frangie show
3: Old Rock right well, Thursday's journey today their special Frontiers album from 1983 it was on this day in 83 it was released so our friend Chad gave me eight cuts and that's what we're playing today the comment you heard about was Mike Martin's last time he ever addressed his team it was after they got eliminated in 2019, they made a surprise run to the College World Series. We got eliminated in three games, and that's the last time he ever spoke to his team. Um, his last season was 2019. Shortly thereafter, uh, he was diagnosed with Louis body dementia, uh, dealt with it for three years, and then died today at the age of uh, 79. He's the winningest coach in the history of college baseball, the NCAA and otherwise, 2029 Wins? Can you imagine winning 2,000 games? The Seminoles won 19 conference titles between the Metro and the ACC with him as head coach. They went to 40 NCAA tournaments. 40 NCAA tournaments under Mike Martin. Think about that for a second. 17 times they went to Omaha. They went to the College World Series 17 times under Mike Martin. Uh, Did not win it. He did not have a title. Uh, but he uh, certainly accomplished so much else. This hit me for a lot of reasons. Uh, 11 was a great baseball guy, and all of us had got a chance to know him a little bit and interview him. It was a special time, and I didn't know him well. Rick Belue certainly did. Uh, my friend Eric Lou Allen, who does play-by-play for uh, FSU, was very close to 11. I know a lot of people in the industry that were um, Wayne Hogan and, and so so many others that, uh, that I knew um, from Florida State when they were – Rob Wilson. Did you ever know Rob? You probably mm-hmm. did. Who worked in, in uh, the SID department over there? So many good people. But Mike Martin represented what I hope high school and college coaching was supposed to be. One of the reasons I get so testy when we fire guys so fast is this father figure and mentor and guide, guider of these 17 through 21 year old men who have no idea what they're doing and who they are, because any of us that was ever a 17 through 21-year-old knows you have no idea who you are and what you're doing. And you need that guidance. It's probably quite often the first time you've ever lived away from home. It's uh, the only time you've ever had a real boss, other than the boss that was at, when you were a bag boy at Publix. It's the only time you had a real boss that could kind of curve who you are. And Mike Martin was a really good one. Mike Martin was connected with all those players everybody i know so many players that played for him so many people i know well that played for him so many members of the media that covered him and and he's not the only guy that was a good man that that had a positive effect on his players but he represented what i think it should be and that is the 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 patriarch of a fantastic program and the guy that was always there and always there with the media and always there with the players and always there with the fans and you could always count on 11 and he had that that that's, that little walk he slumped over a little bit He coached third base for a while. Then he turned that over to to his son, among other assistant coaches. But he was always there. He was respected by the Florida coaches. He was respected by the Miami coaches. He was respected by the JU coaches. And when he got out in 2019, it was a tough time. They had to make a move. They gave the job to his son, who probably wasn't ready for it. Now they've got a very good coach, I think, in Link Jarrett, who also played for 11. But he represented all the college coaches are supposed to be. So – News that we read on the air two, three weeks ago that he had entered hospice hit me as sad. And again, I'm not a Florida State guy, but I'm damn sure a baseball guy, and I'm damn sure a coaching guy, and I'm a sports guy. And I and and hopefully more than anything else, we're all people persons or whatever. And and I just knowing that this day was coming made me sad. I know it made Rick Belue sad because Rick did his games and knows and knows him very well, far better than me, and I'll, I'm interested to talk to Rick about it tonight. But I think. College baseball lost a star, a rock star in Mike Martin in 2019. And college athletics and humanity lost a star today, Mike Martin dead at the age of 79.
0: Yeah, it's a great tribute, and you think of the impact he had on on so many people, and I just – an, an unbelievable legacy, and again, uh, a, a baseball god. If if there are, I talk a lot about the football gods. Well, I believe there are baseball gods as well, and Mike Martin deserves to be a baseball god. And and uh, again, not not only for the achievements on the field, but but the achievements off of it. Uh, there isn't uh, an award that could be named in his honor. There isn't a trophy that you know could have his name on it that. Uh, you know, could accurately represent and uh, encapsulate the majesty of of what he gave collegiate athletics and the impact that he had on so many young people. And uh, it's it's immeasurable. There'll never be another one like him.
4: Yeah, I certainly hope that when people talk about Mike Martin, they don't first bring up the fact that FSU didn't win a national championship. I hope that they first bring up all the success that he had there. And this is one of his quotes. And to me, it's fantastic. It's from an interview in, from, with ESPN in 2019. How about the number of young men that came up to me at that celebration and hugged my neck and said, I love you, 11. That's a lot more important. That's what I get out of coaching. Do I want to win? Dadgum, right. I wouldn't work so dadgum hard, but I'm not going to say, woe is me.
3: Yeah, and he, and he never did. My favorite Mike Martin story, I've told it many times on the air, is uh, he was talking about why baseball's better than football. You know, baseball's better than football, Frank. I said, well, he, says, well, he said, because baseball, you can relax baseball, you can have a hot dog. Baseball, you can put your feet up and you can sit back. In baseball, you can talk to your wife. Let me tell you this. On third and eight, I ain't talking to my wife. (laughs) One of the greatest stories I ever heard in the Mike Martin, gone at the age of 79. One hour to go in the program. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
2: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football. Football at 5. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. On the Franchie Show.
3: Journey on Old Rock Thursday. Today, their album, what did I say? Was Frontiers. Called? Frontiers. Thank you very much. <laughs> Came out uh, in 1983 on this day, so they're our Old Rock Thursday choice. One of our listeners sent that to us. Zach Orr got the defensive coordinator job in Baltimore. Did you see that? Yeah. I will tell you this. Um, When Joe Cullen, who had been at Baltimore, got the job here under Urban, first thing he did, he told Urban, I'm bringing Zach Orr. And when Urban said, how many guys you can bring, first thing he did. And Joe told me the story. Joe said, Frank, this guy is going to be a Really good NFL football coach. He says young just just got done playing, and I've had a lot of the young guys. Anthony Weaver. He's had a lot of those young. He said, but Zach Orr is going to be better. This was what two years, three years ago, right? <clears throat> Joe's one year. Urban's one year. Zach Orr was here, and, and Hayes, he has really thought he would be a fantastic, fantastic football coach, and now he's the defensive coordinator on one of the best coaches in the NFL.
0: Well, and this is what John Harbaugh probably doesn't get enough credit for, is it seems like he loses his defensive coordinator about every two or three years to a head coaching job, and he just has an in-house option. Uh, it might have. I, I apologize to the reporter. I don't remember exactly who tweeted this earlier today, but I think this is the fourth time that Harbaugh has promoted from within uh, when it comes to filling a defensive coordinator. That That's – that tells you how gifted he is at building a staff. And this is another uh, reflection of that, assuming, you know, Zach Orr does a great job, but, uh, but he's certainly got a lot of talent to work with. And, again, it's why the Ravens are a stable, consistent winner. Uh, it, it's little things that you don't hear a lot about staff continuity and building the right staff, and it probably is an underappreciated art form in terms of coaching. But uh, but John Harbaugh has been fantastic at it, and this is another example of that.
4: For sure. Are you surprised that several defensive coordinators now have been hired? But Mike Vrabel, now that he's not getting a head coaching position, doesn't seem to be in the mix for that. The, that
3: I'm not. Okay. I, I I did not expect Ron Rivera, Mike Vrabel, some of the kind of long time or, or or established head coaches to pop up as coordinators. Okay. Some do. I I did. Did, we, did Martindale get a job? I don't think now he that has. one surprised me, Lauren, because he was a coordinator. So the fact that Mar- I don't think Wink Martindale got a job, so that one surprised me. But I'm not surprised that the you know you know even Del Rio when he was done, being it took him a while to go back into court. didn't it? It felt felt like it did. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but he didn't. Yeah, he didn't go right I, back into being a coordinator. I don't think. Maybe he did. I don't think he did. Usually, the, usually the head coach guys, it takes a while before they move on and become coordinators. So I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'll, I'll reiterate what I said a thousand times. I'm shocked that Mike Vrabel is not a head football coach in the National Football League. I, I am shocked that there were eight openings. Okay, one he wasn't going to qualify for because it's one of the teams that fired him. But I'm, I'm shocked that with seven other openings, Mike Vrabel didn't get a job. Uh, but I'm telling you, the, the fired coach, and I know Dan Quinn had to kind of rehab himself but the fired coach isn't as hot as the undefeated coach, man. If there's one thing we know, that undefeated coach uh, moves the needle more than the hot coach, more than the experienced
0: coach does. Yeah, no no doubt about it. R- Rivera, I thought, would get a coordinator job just because he's, he's far enough into his career now. I don't think he's going to get a, a third opportunity to be a head coach. And he had to deal with so much that he shouldn't have had to deal with when he was Washington's head coach that I thought, He might embrace the idea of just coaching defense and being a coordinator and and being up to his elbows and just coaching. And uh, I thought that would appeal to him. Vrabel's in a different situation. Vrabel is uh, young enough in his career that my advice to him would be to take the year off. You know, uh, whether he wants to do broadcasting for a year or lay low and then pop back up in, you know, right after Thanksgiving and start doing interviews and making sure people are aware that Mike Vrabel is unemployed. And I, uh, you know, once the carousel about a month before the carousel really gets, gets hot, uh, you know, put yourself out there, start doing interviews, making it obvious that, you know, you're looking to get back in. Uh, so I, I, I never, I never would have thought Vrabel would have jumped back into being a coordinator right away. Uh, Rivera, I think it would have made some sense for. And, and again, I think this all goes back to, I think you're dealing with not all of them, but I think many of the owners of the eight that had to find new coaches are weak owners. And I think that they were a little petrified of, in Belichick's case, how much power am I willing to give him? In Vrabel's case, I, my guess is the, the ending in Tennessee hurt him more than what he thought it would uh, and so maybe some of the other owners, the seven that you know uh, outside of Tennessee, that may have looked at it and said, "Well, you know, <clears throat> obviously he didn't work well with the GM that they fired, whose name escapes me." I uh, um and obviously John, John Robinson. Robinson, thank you. And and obviously he wasn't working well with the new GM, Rand Carthon. So does is there? Is there a problem with Vrabel you know, working with others that might be a concern here? Again, I think a strong owner says, I don't care. He's a great football coach, and Mike Vrabel is going to make the final call and we will hire a general manager that can aid him. Uh, but it seemed like these owners were resistant to, to that kind of coach coming in and, and, and having that kind of power.
4: And maybe that's the same case with Wink Martindale, since it does seem like there's been a little bit of drama surrounding him. And maybe now that we've gotten a lot of younger coaches hired, maybe they want to select guys that they know for sure going to take everything they say as a yes man almost and not hire someone that would go against them.
0: Yeah,
3: good point. On Wink, I think that's definitely in play. I I, I heard enough people in the industry say, listen, he's a really good coach, but he's a handful now. I, I heard enough people say, I remember when I read it, also, I talk to people in the industry. Enough people tend to believe that there's probably some truth to that. Vrabel, I n- I never heard anything but good stuff about him. But just seeing him, you got to believe he's kind of headstrong. I mean, just just seeing it, wouldn't you think? I mean, number one, football coaches tend to be in general, and and leaders of men can be. But yeah, I, I he played th- for Belichick. What's that? He played for Belichick, yeah, right? But but I mean, to your to your point, I mean, he's
0: made some comments about what he would do to win a Super Bowl that were eyebrow raising. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say,
3: yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct, <laughs> and. and but, but I never thought about it until you said it, Hayes, but maybe, you know what? Obviously, John Robinson did get fired with Mike Vrabel there, and there was clearly a, a disconnect between Vrabel and Ran, so maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe yeah, I, I never thought about that, but maybe people thought, listen, I need us all to be on the same page, and this guy is so headstrong that I'm not sure he'll be there. I, That might be, in retrospect, maybe that's what happened, because he's a really good coach.
0: He is, and, and I, I have to think that This time next year, you know, particularly when Tennessee's probably 4-13, and uh, I have to think that a year from now, Vrabel, or 11 months from now, Vrabel is going to be viewed as one of the better free agents available in a decade in the league.
4: Is it possible that Brian Callahan gets to Tennessee and says, I don't want Will Levis? Like, he's not anything like the quarterback I just had in Joe Burrow, and I don't think he's going to be a successful franchise quarterback.
3: I don't think so, because I think part of the reason he got the job was he probably sold Amy – Adam Strunk. Adam Strunk on the fact that he can make Levis good. I mean, he had, to, he had to get the job somehow. You Everybody gets interviewed, and I'm going to guess that if there was ever – I'm going to guess he walked in that interview and said, listen, I love the guy. I saw what he, uh, he, 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 there's a lot of, bur- here's what he said. He said, there's a lot, I'm telling you, there's a lot of burrow in him. And you saw what we did with Joe, and I'm ready to come here and do that with
0: Will. Wouldn't you think that's, I would. So I would think it'll that's take another year. Job. I would think now, if Levis fails, who knows if he's right or not, but I would think that's yeah. how you got the job. With with the investment they have in Levis, if, if Levis struggles this fall, they can move on from Levis and Callahan will be able to go get, you know, his guy. And I think Tennessee could yeah. be in the running for that number one pick next year because, I don't think they're all all that good, which is why the finale was such a bitter disappointment. And uh, they're not going to have Derrick Henry. It doesn't look like, and you know, we'll see if, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, what happens there. But if, if Levis struggles, I mean, they don't have much on offense. So if they don't have Derrick Henry and will Levis, isn't the answer that is going to be ugly in Nashville next year. And so Again, maybe, you know, wouldn't it be ironic and this is we going way ahead of ourselves, but the Titans took Derrick Henry, hometown hero, in the second round. What if Carson Beck goes number one to the Titans in twenty five? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter with you? Weren't you a good guy
3: when you took this job? No. You I you just faked I, I had it for you. Fooled. You faked it. Yeah. Dang it. I thought he was a good guy. Dang it. don't, don't even talk like that. We'll take a break. I want to come back. Let's relive a big win for the Gators last night in Rupp Arena and what that means moving forward. And what will the Gators be now moving forward? Uh, Have they made their way into the NCAA basketball tournament? Will they collapse after the big win? Uh, That was the news of the day today. We'll talk about it after this.
2: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be. Or at least used to be on the Frangie Show.
3: The Gators last night, uh, huge win, Carlin. Big win, huge. Todd Golden's biggest win, probably the biggest basketball win in terms of significance since the uh,
0: lead eight run. That's what I would and think. And the Chiotza shot, right?
3: would you say? Yeah, it's not I, as big as that I but can't, the big win since then.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like there was one last year that I know Gold, Golden had one win last year that I think uh, was was sort of really out of the blue, but but again, I think by that point in the year you sort of knew what they were. What makes this one so gigantic is if they could get into the tournament, they have the makings of a team that would be a tough out. Like if you're a 1 or a 2 seed, you don't want to see them in the second round that's because they rebound like nobody's business and they score a ton. So if you're a team that, you know, is, is a defensive minded team, but you can go through some, uh, some scoring droughts of your own. That's not the kind of team you want to see. Or if you're a guard heavy team uh, that already has kind of trouble on the glass and all of a sudden here comes uh, Samuel and Condon and Han Logdon. I mean, Florida is going to be, they're, in a sense, matchup proof. I'm not trying to sell them that they're some great team because they don't, I don't think, have a lot of NBA talent. But in terms of of not having a weakness, they really don't in terms of what you're, they have good guard play, they have uh, clutch three-point shooting in Clayton. They're very big, Frank, to your point. Uh, They don't have a deep bench, but that's in the NCAA tournament. No one uses a deep bench other than a couple of head coaches, but for the most part, even really great teams shrink the bench when they get into those because every possession is just so crucial. So, I mean, I think they've got a chance here. That's what makes it so big. They were on the outside looking in. Now they're on the inside of the NCAA tournament. I do think they're going to continue to play their way to where they will continue to strengthen their position in the field. And again, I think that they would be a tough out for any team in the country.
4: We talked about momentum in football, especially in that NFC Championship game and the decisions that were made by Dan Campbell. Confidence is is so important in basketball. And this team, once they realize that they can actually shoot, they know they knew they could rebound. Now they realize, all right, when I put the ball up, it actually might go through the net. And so they're starting to shoot better and shoot more. This is a team now that has found confidence. And if they, I think, can win at A&M, then they are making the postseason.
3: You know, we said this yesterday, and to your point about confidence. We said this yesterday in the program, that, and you, you picked them to win the game. Uh, I didn't think they were going to win the game, but we said this yesterday. There was a modicum of confidence developing that maybe they could. You could sense that, couldn't you? You could Some of the national broadcasters, uh, the fact that they had Billis at the game you know i mean Ravage and Billis, that's the A team now and the fact that those guys were doing the game last night and it wasn't a it wasn't one of those late games you didn't was, have to wait you even had
0: we Marty doing yeah, the Marty, yes. side yeah. Yeah. So, yeah so so
3: they so they thought Florida's going to be in this thing so Does that
4: only happened when it's at Kentucky i guess
3: <laughs> but but I, but I but you're but i'll say this and Hayes you've made this point all along, and you were right and and even and coaches that inspire f- tempo offense shooting those ten teams tend to shoot well, don't they? Ten coaches that inspire—that that's—I mean, Matthew Driscoll, we talk about all the time. Um, Todd Golden's like that. He wants you to get it up. He doesn't care if it's a—he doesn't care if it's a fast shot. You know, a couple times Bill has said, "Not not when Samuel was shooting those threes. That was ridiculous." But a, <laughs> but there's a couple times that either Kugel or or Clayton took a quick three. Richard took a quick three. And Billa said, "I don't think that's the shot Todd Golden wanted." I disagreed. I, watching the game, I think it, they missed it. Yeah, but I th- now not when Samuel shot him, but when I think he wants those fat, those quick shots, and I think that's how they play. And 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 you and and you're right by the way. And this this isn't just Florida. This could be Ole Miss. This could be um, uh, Alabama, Auburn. One thing about playing in that damn league, what that league's become, you don't want to be the Big Twelve, Big East, whoever pac twelve, whatever's left of the Pack twelve team that plays one of these guys because they they really have beat each other up. Oh, I, I think Florida gets in there as an eight or nine or whatever they are, they'll be a pain in the butt for somebody.
0: Yeah, I, I think so as well. And again, it, it goes back to uh, offensively, they're just outstanding. And Billis made a comment; it was really good because again, I don't know the ins and outs of basketball strategy. I uh, you know cer- certainly to. Uh, the level of Jay Billis, and and he said something last night that I thought was really interesting, that Golden schemed Kentucky's big man to come out of the paint more, which opened up so much more. And, and again, that's the kind of stuff that impresses you about Todd Golden, that in-game adjustment. And, again, you look at it, they're eighth in the country in scoring offense. This is a a team that scored a pitiful amount of points under – Mike White. They're averaging 85.8 points a game. That's got to be close. If that holds, I've got to think that's got to challenge school records for a season. Uh, And again, they're eighth in the country. And in terms of power five teams, the only teams that are better, Alabama's one at 89.4. Arizona's two at 89.2. Kentucky is three at 88.6. Then you have Samford, Wright State, Indiana State, so they don't count uh, in terms of power five. At seven, you have Purdue, who's arguably the, I mean, at 85.8. So look at the teams that they're in there with Alabama, who's absolutely going to be a top three seed in the field. Maybe we'll see. Arizona, unbelievable program. Kentucky, unbelievable program. And Purdue, who I would think has is, is got a chance to ha- maybe win the whole thing. That's who that those are the four power five teams ahead of Florida when it comes to scoring kind of a big stat in basketball. So it's it's remarkable the job Todd Golden has done. And again, I think a lot of these I think I think they still have some upside because they're still learning how to play with, you know, with each other and, and the rotations and how and, and defining roles and. I they've they've got 10 games left they will be better when they get to the 10th game than they are today and they're pretty good right now
4: yeah they're very good right now I think Todd Golden also off the court has handled stuff say with Riley Kugel really well too and and I really liked how when Cal said Calipari said last night like we you know basically beat them in every statistical category and Todd Golden came back with actually and he spouted out all the stats and (laughs) He was right that Florida actually did better in, in every statistical category. I kind of like that saltiness. I so, I, I really like him, as, you know, personally as the head coach and, and what he's doing is amazing. Uh, Denver Parlor Frank tweeted this out. He heavily researched this stat. Tyrese Samuel is the first player nationally with 22 points, 13 rebounds and 4 blocks in a top 10 road win since Tim Duncan at Duke on January 1st, oh, 1997. Pretty good
3: company, I'd say. Yeah. So now they're 15 and 6. Five and three. Hayes, you said yesterday between at Kentucky, at A and M, home against Auburn, win one of them. Well, they got the first one, right? So now, if you and sp- I think
0: they got the hardest one yeah, of the three. No, there's no yeah. question yeah. it was the hardest
3: one of the three. And so, um, so now if you split the next two, then you're home against LSU, who's not any good, who's not, not not good. So now all of a sudden you, you split the next two, you will have won one six out of seven, and and again look. At Georgia, I think Georgia's better than y'all think they are, but you can win. You already beat them once. I uh, might not beat them. It was an overtime game. At Alabama is going to be hard. Home against then back to back home games against Vanderbilt and Missouri. All of a sudden, you got a little run going. You know, oh, yeah. all, all all of a sudden, if you get one of these next two and then beat LSU, regardless of what happens at Alabama, that's a, right,
0: that becomes a house money game.
3: That's exactly right, and I'll even go at Georgia. I mean, if if you if you get to where those again. If you be, if, if, my point is, I think you probably win at Georgia. Yeah. But If
0: you don't, it's, Georgia's eighty-two in the net. Right. So they're. But, I, I, now I think the eye test, yeah. they're better than that. They are. But but they are. Eighty-second yeah. in the, they're not. They're not considered one of the better teams right. in the country.
3: But my point is, if you do lose that game, it's not disastrous. That's my point. It's, right. it's not disastrous, and, and well, Alabama certainly isn't. And then you, because you got to, because I'm pretty confident they're going to come home and beat Vanderbilt, Missouri. I think, yes. I think they've gotten good enough now. See, until you get good. You can't assume anything, right? You you can never you can never assume well we'll beat them. Not not really. Yeah. Until you're good, you don't assume right. it. In the NFL, by the way, you can never assume it. Period. Right. But in college sports, you can start assuming it a little bit if you get good.
0: And again, to their credit, they have not lost to a bad team at all. Right. Uh, all their losses are against Quad One or it were Quad One games. Yeah. That's and right. so, uh, you know, in looking at it, if 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 just that holds. Uh, if they just win the games that they have remaining uh, against teams outside of quad one, they're they're going to make yeah. the tournament. But I do think if they can get one of the next two, if they can get one against Alabama of the two, they're going to play there. Uh, you know, now you're talking about a team that's not sweating it on selection Sunday. They know they're in the field and it's just a question of what pot are they going to and who are they playing?
3: Boy, and, boy I'll tell you this. I don't care if you're a Florida fan, FSU fan, Miami fan, Georgia, Georgia doesn't qualify because they haven't had this very much, but the others have. Or any of these other schools, man, that tournament's more fun when you're in it. Oh, man, that selection Sunday's there's more nothing fun. Better than uh, seeing your school oh, pop you, and, up and you, on you wait that all day. Line. You wait, you get, you turn it on at six thirty, and 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 uh, whoever is it? Whoever, whoever's the guy? Who's the guy? Who is it? uh, it's Gumble, it isn't it? Is it still Greg Gumble? I thought. It was Greg Gumble forever. like Seth Davis, maybe? Yeah, was sounds it, right. Whoever's talking. You can't wait. Oh, that's oh, not yeah. us. Oh, no, we'll be all right. of oh, that region. Oh, yeah. You know, like, oh, that we're happens. not in the South. Okay, yeah. well, maybe uh, we're going to yeah. be in the Midwest. Because yeah, you know you're yeah. in. You pretty right. much know you're in. Yeah. So, I, uh, man, it's been a long time. That, that I'm telling you, there's not been that kind of excitement in that on in that campus. And, again, with all due respect to baseball, who probably had the best team last year and just, did, just didn't win it because it came down to it, and to golf who did win it and gymnastics who what was second right finished mm-hmm. second so but I mean I'm saying there were, there were all those really good teams with all due respect to all those really good teams and ain't like football and it ain't like basketball no even baseball as much as I love baseball and ain't like football and it ain't like basketball it's just it's just freaking not and so um yeah i i that was a fist i I was kind of like you, Hayes. When the game ended, I was wired, man. <laughs> I was wired last night. We just haven't Me had too. that. Yeah. yeah, I
0: mean, it was. It took a while for that adrenaline and, to wear off. Because I, will say, I was convinced they were losing. Me too. Like when Kentucky got up, whatever it was, four in the final thirty seconds. Yeah. I, I didn't have a lot of faith that Florida was going to get it to OT. Okay. So I was when screaming, they did, get it to Clayton. Yeah, before absolutely. It
3: went to OT Wait, um, in my living room. <laughs> are you a are you a foul up three guy? Am, uh, yeah. I am too. I'm very surprised. The minute Dillingham missed the second free throw, I when they started running out court and when pulling at the ball, I thought they would hack pulling. Mm-hmm. I thought they would immediately hack pulling, and they didn't foul. And I thought, okay, when they didn't foul, I yeah. said he's going to get it
0: all. Right. Flame with fire. Well, yeah. this this goes back to John Calipari is an excellent recruiter. He is a mediocre coach.
3: Make that point. You can make that point. Yeah, I
0: hear you. And so, but he should
3: have fouled. Yeah. You know I mean I mean up up 3 less than 10 seconds you should foul. I'm mm-hmm. a big believer. I'm a big believer. Now you can't let the guy let one launch one while you're fouling him. But I uh but in the backcourt he's not launching one. I would foul I would foul immediately. Yeah. When oh.
4: was the last time Kentucky was that bad at free throws? Like yeah. they that's what a were team they? that what were they, by the always way? makes. They right. were 11 of 17, so around 64%. Six, yeah.
3: The uh yeah, you're right. Uh, the, and by the way, I wonder if Kentucky's automatic.
0: ever blocked 14 shots in a
3: game <laughs> and, and lost. Lost. lost the game. Well, they well they got 19 seven footers. <laughs> I mean, I mean they, they must have seven footers stashed yeah. on the football well, team, the track team, the baseball if, team.
0: If the kid from Europe or well, if he ever figures it out, yeah, yeah, uh, he'll, yeah I mean, yeah. good luck stopping that. Um, yeah, I agree. They with were you. showing the highlights, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he, uh, watch this. This will be the game where he has like <laughs> he goes for 30. 37 right. and 19.
3: Um, the uh, but they were, they were 11 of 17, and Florida was 17 of 20 in the first game. And by the way, if I thought about this too Florida should have lost last night. Dillingham should, I mean, they should have lost and should have won the first one. So they, they, the two teams yeah. should have split. That's right. Florida clearly
0: outplayed them in games yeah. and lost the game. It'd be fun if they played in the SEC tournament. Yeah,
3: it, because they should have. Because
0: they're very evenly matched.
3: Florida was 18 of 29 in the first game they missed 11 free throws or would have won the game. If they, if they were 21-29, they'd have won the game.
0: Yeah, and I think that speaks to his coaching. I they, do too. Because yep. so, it's now like three or four games yes. well, where they've been much better. They yeah. went from like being 65% basically to now they're, they've well, been over, I think, 75% and much higher well, in, in the last like three or four games they've played. And here's what's weird.
3: If you watch them shoot – they all have beautiful strokes. They just don't go in. Even right. Samuel, who yeah, and and, and Han Lockton's got a great stroke. He, he just, was one he of just, two
0: last night, so he got that percentage. <laughs> yes, <out>. he
3: did. <laughs> but I mean, but if you watch them shoot, they all have great strokes. The ball just you know, there's not good shooters, so that makes you wonder. And and we've been we've been praising Todd Golden. It made me wonder: did they not work on it enough? Because now that it was a clear Achilles' heel. It's obvious they've worked on it more now, and they're making them. So so we'll see. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Lauren's got news and notes to wrap the program on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
2: The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks.
4: band today on Old Rock Thursday. Thanks to Chad who tweeted Frank the set list of songs from the album Frontiers, which came out today back in 1983. If you'd like to be a part of Old Rock Thursday, you can do the same thing. We Frank eight songs or an album and uh, we'll go from there.
3: Make sure it's a, sure it's a band I like, okay? <laughs> make
4: sure, that's a good caveat. Make sure it's a band Frank likes. Yeah, listen yeah. to the show yeah. for a few years, I think you have like, several to choose from. Like by.
3: Hayes said earlier, the smashing tomatoes or whatever <laughs> would, would would probably not make the list. Okay?
4: All right, so this report came from Walter Football. And, Hayes, I don't know how much validity there is to it, but I'm sure you saw it today. This is, like I said, from Walter Football. The Jaguars were disappointed and frustrated with the play of Calvin Ridley last year. Ridley was underweight and did not supply the yards after the catch and had a plethora of missed assignments. Those sources said the Jaguars want a big outside ref- receiver for Trevor Lawrence and that the position is a round priority on day one or day two.
0: I think it's all true. I mean, obviously, there were frustrations with Calvin Ridley. I mean, that's not uh, a surprise. Uh, and and so how, how could you not be frustrated with a player that's running a route in week 14 where he's not looking for the ball? I mean, that's just you know, and I think he had probably more drops than what they anticipated. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't like him. It doesn't mean that they don't want him back. I I think they do want him back. But how could you not be frustrated at times with his performance? Uh, It was far from flawless. It was far from consistent. Uh, Is receiver a a big need on day one or day two? I mean, so much of that depends on what happens between now and in the draft and free agency. But Certainly, if they feel good about their trenches coming out of free agency and let's say, uh, you know, they feel like the receiver at 17 is more special than the corner. Uh, yeah. Receiver could be in play if one of the LSU. I don't think it'll be neighbors, but if, if Thomas falls, Keon Coleman, if he's there at 17, mm-hmm. those are the that's the kind they need. A, if they invest at receiver, Keon Coleman is the kind of player they need. The kind of player where Trevor can just put it in his radius, and he's gonna go get it.
3: And that's what they don't have, by the way. Correct. They don't have a high point guy. As good as the receiving core is, they don't have that guy.
4: So Rome, the last name is Odunze. That's the right. Washington wide receiver. He had one thousand six hundred forty yards last season, thirteen touchdowns. I see his weight is two hundred sixteen pounds. I am trying to find his. He'll weight.
0: be he'll be long gone. He's a he's a at worst a six top three. ten pick. He'll probably go. Okay. Somewhere between six and seven.
4: Okay. The reason I brought him up, and I'm glad you said that, is I was looking at a mock draft, and now I forget. Oh, it was Chris Trapasso, uh, who we talked about yesterday. He had Rome going 17th overall to the Jaguars, and when I saw that, I got excited, thinking, yeah. "Wow, the Jags could absolutely use him." Even if Calvin Ridley's on this team, you need a good young wide receiver moving forward, especially with that kind of skill and that kind of size.
0: If that happens, uh, the entire city of Jacksonville will do <laughs> cartwheels to the podium <laughs> to turn that card in.
4: Yeah, that's what I figured. But uh, it, a girl can dream for at least a little while. I, I will say, Frank, it's been nice. I don't wake up every single day and look through mock drafts.
3: Yeah, I, I, again, listen, I, I'll <laughs> I may be on an island here. I think they got a good team. They got a good team that messed up at the end, but they got, and, and they certainly have to shore up some things. The physicality is the main thing, but I, I think they got a good team. Your point's right, though. You're not panicked about needing seven guys between free agency and, and the draft just to make you decent. You don't have that.
4: I'm going to steal the question of the day from Jaguars today. Which of these potential salary cap casualties is most likely to remain with the Jaguars next season? Cam Robinson, sixteen million dollar cap hit. Darius Williams, ten million. Brandon Sheriff, nine million. Zay Jones, four and a half million. I think Sheriff we could all cross off most the list.
3: Most likely to be on the team. Most
4: likely to be on the team next year. Cam Darius Zay.
3: Zay. He's the most likely he that doesn't even. Because of answer. the cap the most or, likely to be on the team. Yeah. yeah.
4: Because it's only four and a half million or because they love him as a receiver. Uh
3: they they love what he brings, not just as a receiver, but to the room, how he affects others. Um they really, really, really like him. And he doesn't cost very much.
4: Kay.
0: I'll say Darius just because I feel like if you don't have Darius mm-hmm. Williams, you have a chasm opposite Tyson Campbell. Uh whereas I think with Zay, if if they release Zay, you have uh Ridley, Kirk, assuming Ridley's back. Uh Ingram, and I think you would then go and and, and draft a receiver to replace Zay. So I think it, it's it's harder for me to see uh, an avenue for them defensively getting rid of Darius Williams with uh, it just doesn't seem like any of the corners have developed. so and and i don't, I still don't even know exactly what you have in Tyson after mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't think that they would uh, that they'd release Darius Williams.
3: yeah, by the way, my thought is I'll ask the question a different way, which of those guys do you think will be on the team? I think Zay and Darius Williams will be on the team. Yeah, I think Brandon Sheriff will not be on the team, right. And I think I think cam Robinson, Six, seven weeks into the season was not. Now I think he might. I think he's the the one I'm not sure about.
4: I voted Darius Williams just because of the situation that you have at corner. Uh, But certainly I think, like to your point, Frank, I think both Zay and Darius are on the team next year. If
3: Calvin Ridley's on the team, I'm convinced Zay Jones will be on the team. I think he makes a difference with with Calvin.
4: Had y'all heard of Marcus Castro Walker before today?
0: Had not. He's the uh, Florida NIL guy?
4: He's the guy who took the fall for the yeah. NCAA yeah. Yeah, I allegations. Yeah, saw, I
0: saw the name,
3: but I did not know the name. I don't know any of them. I, I, every time I read a name of a new guy who's head president, vice president, <laughs> chief secretary, treasurer of the NIL, or the, the victorious, or the whatever they're calling it, I can't keep up. Yeah.
0: I, I think Florida's strategy, obviously, they're under NCAA investigation. I think their strategy is to take it seriously. Right. And uh, – you know, and, and so go ahead and make some changes so that if they are called or they, they get to some sort of penalty phase, they can hope for leniency because they've taken steps. Uh, Tennessee is taking the opposite of approach, which, which I actually <laughs> respect, yep. which is to basically throw a Molotov cocktail <laughs> into the NCAA headquarters and say, we don't care what you say or do to us, we're not going to acknowledge it.
4: That's right. So Frontiers, the album, is 41 years old today. Something happened 35 years ago today, Hayes. You tweeted about it. Do you want to tell everyone about it?
0: It's the anniversary of Tech Mobile coming (laughs) out. Arguably the greatest video game ever made. It should be a national holiday. (laughs) I have such admiration for the creators of the game. They have given me and my generation (laughs) hours and hours and hours of fantastic entertainment. Why didn't you ask me?
4: Because he tweeted about it and you did not. That's the only reason I wouldn't ask you about a video
0: game.
3: You, I can't believe I didn't get asked about Tech Mobile or Technoble or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, you'd have loved it. Unbelievable. Matt it's Hayes too bad that you were- I remember Atari. This, this, was, this was before Atari, right?
0: No, this was actually after. This would have been a Nintendo game. Oh, okay. So, uh, Atari was different? Atari was a little bit before. Okay.
4: Matt Hayes tweeted about it as well. Did you see his tweet about the one play that he said was always successful? Yeah, <laughs> Sims to
0: Bavaro. <laughs> yeah. There was a a great game because like Bo Jackson, you couldn't stop. Uh, Walter Payton was incredible. Lawrence Taylor was an absolute freak show. Uh, Singletary was amazing. Ronnie Lott was amazing. I mean, it just it kind of each not each team, but but the good teams had like sort of one guy that basically could not be stopped. And uh, Jerry Rice was amazing in it. So. It was a lot of fun. It defied all laws of physics. You could like drop back and throw a pass like 90 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> so, I mean, but it didn't matter because up to this point, the best like football game was like 10 yard fight, which was when I say cavemen riding on walls was basically what this was. Tecmo Bowl was like the Sistine Chapel, a football <laughs> game. So it was like a massive leap forward and in innovation.
4: What else would you like to add to that? Frank?
0: That if he was talking Egyptian, <laughs> I would have understood it better.
4: Uh, since today is the end of dry January, I can now tell this uh, good news, I suppose, for people in Georgia and in Alabama. Alcohol yeah. sales for the general public are coming this season to both Georgia and Auburn. They were the final two holdouts, not selling alcohol to the general public at their stadiums for football, but they will start this upcoming season.
3: What about that? I, I can't imagine that anybody didn't really sell alcohol in their games. It just doesn't seem to make much sense that nobody nobody did. But, uh, just, but you know, I mean, it's not like...
4: They sold it to premium seating. Right. The uh, funny part was when the tweets came out last night, it was, Georgia will now sell alcohol to all fans. And then a lot of people were like, so, like, five-year-olds can get <laughs> drinks? Is that what we're saying? But obviously, the point was, you don't have to be sitting in premium seating uh, in mm. order to get I, the alcohol. I, I got a question. Yeah, go for
3: it. Did you go to... You you go to get when you were Florida. You went to all the games, right? Yes. When you were a student, yes. When you were a student, Florida you went to the games, mm-hmm. and did you ever go to a game as a student? Not not covering it, like I, sometimes I went as a stringer, but oh okay. Did you ever go to a game as a student, and you weren't drinking like crazy? I did not. Did you? I
4: did. I didn't drink for two years in college. Okay. But yes, so yes, I did. But oh, okay. the other two years that I. Was I mean, against. I
3: mean, I can't imagine being. a th- – This is a terrible thing to say, but I'm just
0: being honest. Yeah, I never went to a college football game as a student. Didn't drink heavily. Yeah, I mean, we used to literally like take Ziploc bags yeah. and pour like whiskey in it <laughs> because you, if you got patted down, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't wasn't like a flask where it was like obvious you were bringing something in, and so you would just then order some cokes throughout and yeah, make your cocktail and have a great old time. Watch Spurrier's Fun and Gun. <laughs>
4: There you go. Uh, I'm guessing today is a sad day for the person we're about to talk to. Let's say hello to Rick Ballew.
0: Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet.
3: Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. 40 NCAA tournaments, 17 trips to the College World Series. And that doesn't even tell the story of what a good dude he was.
1: Yeah, he was a – he was a, a better man than he was a, a manager, and he was a pretty good manager. He, he just, he'll always be remembered for not being able to win that big one. He had some unbelievable teams.
3: Yeah, How well did you know Mike
1: Martin? I knew him very well, and, he, you know, I found you myself – the games a lot. Yeah, I did the, the, the road games with the late Lee Bowen. The home broadcast team was uh, the Professor Lee Bowen and, and, uh, and Jim Crosby. And um, I, I did big road games, uh, Clemson which used to be a an unusual Saturday-Sunday-Monday series, not a Friday-Saturday-Sunday. Okay. Obviously Miami and Florida right. uh, in games like that. But, uh, you know, I did it the years with uh, with Meet, Mike Martin Jr. And, and Doug Minkiewicz, who I I was going to – I asked Doug to come on tonight. He said, no way. He said, it's too early. He was just way too broken up uh, about it. And uh, Well, and, that's telling. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that's the- because Minkiewicz – you know, Minkiewicz played high school baseball in, in – uh, in Martin. football, in the same team as Alex Rodriguez, I right, played Miami. That's and, and and was really good, but it was Martin that, you know, he was kind of a slow, didn't have a tremendous right. amount of power, great right. glove, but really gave him an opportunity. And um, yeah, he was a. It's almost like he had a lot of similarities to Bobby Bowden, but he didn't have the colorful the colorful personality of Bobby. But I think I think Bowden overshadowed that with Mike Martin. If you're just talking about a decent human being, there's not a big difference between Bobby Bowden and Mike Martin. I agree with you.
3: And I and I thought Bobby was so charismatic and funny, you couldn't compare anybody to him. No, I, you can't. I mean, you can't. So if you take him off the ballot, yeah. I thought Mike Martin was funny, and I thought he was in his homespun way. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't know him like you knew him, but I interviewed him ten times. Oh, yeah. And one yeah. of the most genuine, down-to-earth, Good yeah. people, I I really liked Eleven. I I thought he was, there was there was a there was a
1: homespun realness to him that was like Bowden's in that regard, very similar. So I'm gonna speak on that a little bit tonight, and uh, you know, very successful run for, for Mike Martin. Uh, it's a sad ending again, dementia. It happened fairly quickly, but you know that was the, the end of the road. I, I think he went into the. Hospice, maybe ten days ago, could have been two weeks ago. I think it was two We, we talked about on the I mean, air about two weeks. Yeah, and it just, uh, you know, we I think we've all had been affected by that uh, in in our uh, either immediate family or just outside our family. But uh, he would have been uh, eighty in two weeks, and uh, just an unbelievable life. I mean, he spent yeah. his whole life. On the baseball diamond or in the dugout, and I think a lot of people would sign up for that. Mostly, it is alma mater. Yeah, no doubt.
3: That's that's coming up tonight.
1: That is, yep, no doubt about that. That a much more live report from Mobile, Alabama. We'll give you the very latest on the Senior Bowl. All
3: right, Rick. Thanks, Rick Ballou, And Rick did know uh, Mike Martin very well. Did call a lot of the games and uh, on the road and and got to know him very well. And certainly, Rick will have some very important thoughts about the, the great Mike Martin dead today at the age of 79. Folks, that's our program. Thanks for being part of it. Don't go anywhere. Rick Blue goes into the night right now. We'll see you tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Franchi. So long.